We, Sonia and Januni, are a couple of pals studying science in undergrad. We are not professionals. Though every episode is meticulously researched, mistakes do happen. If you notice that anything, and we mean anything, we state is inaccurate, please let us know. Your comments, suggestions, and queries are important in furthering our personal and audience's understanding of science. Thanks for being a part of this discussion. We appreciate you. We really do. Bop, bop. Beep, bop, bop. Hey everyone. Hey. Happy New Year. Wow, I haven't seen you guys since last year. This is where I leave the call immediately. Okay, goodbye. That's it. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Uh, Welcome back to the first episode of 2022 by Beaker Bros. Heck yeah. Almost exciting since we started. An exciting time. Look how far we've come. Number 25. Ooh. Is it 25 or? I think it's 25. I mean, you wrote down 25, so I'm going to go with 25. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, Janini, tell us a little bit what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. For my folks in Canada, or even for my folks specifically in Ontario, we all know that with the holidays, there have been a surge of COVID cases recently. What's even more interesting is how we've been actually having, how the government has been um, giving out these free antigen COVID tests. So, you know, before you want to see your pal, before the holidays, or, you know, might have had a Christmas party or something, a lot of individuals are taking these tests beforehand to see if they have COVID or not, instead of getting a PCR test, because correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to pay for the PCR test now. Yeah. Yeah, they changed that. Yeah, so now these antigen tests are like at home kits that you can do like with yourself. Um, but I think what I was really most interested in like from this was because I was like, oh, so you're saying this was an option the whole time. Why haven't we been like just doing COVID tests at home? Um, but then I also came across that it's not that accurate. It's not as good as the PCR one. Um, there are false positives or false negatives. And then there's so many different type tests. There's like the PCR one and then the antigen one. And it's a matter of which one's better, which one's worse. So this episode is essentially us kind of delving into yeah. the world of COVID tests and the different types. And yeah. Out of curiosity, have you been able to get a hold of the at-home ones? Um, not personally, but I've had friends who like were able to grab them so like friends who had younger siblings that were given like the school gave it to them or friends that like working downtown Toronto apparently gives you like a better priority of like getting an abundance amount of tests um but I haven't I know there's like pop-ups that people have lined up for like they're at 9 a.m and you would line up for god knows how long and get a test but I have not you yeah, I was just curious because, yeah, same thing for me. I know people that have gotten from, like, schools, um, better access in certain areas, but I've not been able to get a hold of one. Yeah. So, there limited are, supply. I know. They're like, everyone wants one. It's the new thing. <laughs> it's a new trend. It's a new trend. Right? Um, I know, like, in one, like, I know there's a, in one of the at-home kits, at one of the at-home, like, boxes, it comes, like, five kits. So, you know, to get one kit. You got five kits. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we can start off with talking about the different types of 
uh, COVID-19 testing. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so we know obviously that there are different ways that samples can be collected to test for COVID-19. So this can be through the nose swab or throat swab, an oral fluid swab, saliva sample, or blood draw. But I know you were also mentioning how there's three main types of COVID tests. Um, you're seeing how, did you want to go ahead and take yeah, that? So, <laughs> yeah, so there's the nucleic acid-based testing test. So that's the PCR one that um, Janouni's going to dive into a little bit. Then there's the antigen one, that one was already said, and then the <laughs> serological one, that's the, uh, that's the blood test. And other, there's other types of serological antibody testing methods, but blood test is a, uh, one of the most common. Yeah. Um, that was like a quick note was that uh, serology tests aren't actually used to diagnose their current COVID-19 infection since yeah. they don't um, detect the virus in itself. Uh, but it means a positive like antibody test or a serology test means that you have the antibodies to the virus that causes COVID-19, but it can't tell you like how long ago you may have been infected or determine if you're protected from reinfection as a result of previous infection. And in addition to that, so like the most common type of antibody that appears from when you get that sort of testing, if it's indicative of having COVID, is the immunoglobulin G subtype. Um, but that one is like the most abundant antibody in your bloodstream. So it could literally appear for any sort of um, virus or like infection that you have. Oh, okay. So it's not like even if you like have an abundance of that subtype, it's not necessarily that, oh, you have COVID. Oh. But if you have symptoms that align with COVID and you have that, that could be a pretty strong indication that, oh, maybe you do have COVID. Maybe you are positive. It was like I was saying before. Um like you might have an increase in white blood cells. Yeah. It might mean you have cancer. It might mean something else, right? So yeah, yeah it's, I want to say similar to that. Good comparison. Um, okay, so we did the serology one, but so the PCR one is also known as a nucleic acid-based testing, which is also called a molecular testing. So these actually test the virus's genetic material aka the nucleic acids. Um, and this is considered the gold standard, I guess, by Canada for diagnosing active COVID-19 infection in patients. Um, then there's the antigen one, which basically detects specific proteins on the surface of the virus. Um, they're often called rapid tests, so like the rapid antigen test people you might be hearing about. Um, they're called rapid tests because they typically provide results in less than an hour. Um, and antigen tests are actually designed to be used at a point of care by a healthcare professional or a trained operator. Uh, but there are lab-based ones, but I also think it's funny how we now have at-home kits. Um, so, okay, those were, so technically the two main types are the antigen one and the PCR one. Yeah. Um, if we want to go more into technically how they work, um, so... With the PCR one, um, PCR, it's called PCR because of the polymerase chain reaction. So for PCR tests, um, what you initially first do is get a sample from the patient. So this can be a nasal swab um, or a saliva one as well. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice. Um, 
And so for PCR tests, uh, what you do after you get the sample is to amplify the genetic material. So even if there's a small amount of COVID genes in the patient sample, it can be detected, which I think is like super cool. Um, mm -hmm. And the amplification is actually done through a polymerase chain reaction, hence PCR, um, where once they take the sample, they treat it with an enzyme that converts the RNA into double-stranded DNA that we know. And then the DNA is mixed with a solution containing another enzyme called polymerase, and it's heated, which causes the DNA to separate into two single-stranded DNA pieces. And then the temperature is lowered, and polymerase, with the help of a small piece of guide DNA called a primer, will bind to this single-stranded DNA. Primer. Sorry. <laughs> and then it will actually bind to the single-stranded uh, DNA and make copies of it. So the primers actually ensure that only the COVID-19 DNA is being amplified and not the other DNA. And so now you have like two copies of the COVID-19 uh, DNA from the original piece of your RNA. And then technically, um, not technically, this is how it works, the lab <laughs> machines, um, they repeat these like heating and cooling cycles, like this whole amplification system at least 30 to 40 times, which means you're doubling the DNA until there's a billion copies of the original piece. And then the amplified sequence, so like the bunch of copies you have contains a fluorescent dye that's read by the machine. And um, so this property of like the amplifying property of the PCR actually allows the test to successfully detect even the smallest amount of COVID-19 uh, genetic material in a sample, which makes it like a really highly sensitive is a way they used to describe it, an accurate test. Um, there's even uh, research just saying it has an accuracy of 100%. Bold statement, but 100% indeed. Uh, so that's for the PCR test. It's a whole like, you have a little bit even if you have like the smallest amount, you got a bunch at the end and that's how they're able to test because of the fluorescent dye and everything. Um, for the antigen one, this one is, sorry, I just blinked out. Um, that's the surface or specific proteins, right? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So before we go on to talk about like the antigen testing, I think it's really important to mention what an antigen is. Um, Antigens are substances that cause the body to produce an immune response, so they trigger the generation of antibodies. Um, so these antigen tests are like they use lab-made antibodies to search for the antigens for the COVID-19 uh, virus. So imagine like you know a bestie. You're trying to find your other bestie in the body. <laughs> Y'all at the club. You can't find each other. Exactly. That's how the antigen test. And let's be honest, you can find your bestie in less than an hour. <laughs> you know what? Like, sometimes that's good timing. That, that's great timing. Yeah. Um, so, so just like the, you have the antibodies in your body, the ones on the, so there's a test strip. So the ones on the test strip will actually bind to any of the antigen in the sample. So if the antibodies bind to COVID-19 antigens, then a colored line appears on the test strip indicating the presence of um, COVID-19, which is, I guess, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's like the little rectangular thing, like the at-home kits, how there's a little rectangular thing and there's like a C and a T and then there's like a little line. So the colored line is like, hey, your antigens and your antibodies, 
the binding. I was going to say it kind of looks like a pregnancy test. I was going to never seen those. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is also another way. Um, Wait, did you mention the reliability yet of them? No, not yet. Did you want to go ahead and do that? Um, like, I don't know as much as you, so this is me sort of just speaking out of my ass. Yeah, but yeah. the main reason, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. that it's not as reliable is because, like, it doesn't do that amplification process, right? So that's why you have to wait that five days or whatever it is? Yeah. Um, so, so it's it just is, like detecting presence or whatever. Yeah, so it is definitely less, it's less accurate than PCR because I think it's more, um, those antigen tests are better for those who are symptomatic or who have a lot of virus in the system. Because again, like you don't have that amplification system, which means like, even if there's like a small amount, you don't know if it's going to detect. Um, I think, again, back to like me, I was curious on how because at first I was telling you this earlier how I thought there were a lot more false positives that were appearing from these antigen tests, but I actually found out there's actually more false negatives. Um, if we're talking about exact numbers, um, they're saying that, so like one of the popular antigen tests, they miss 15 out of 100 infections, 100 infections, so that's 15 false uh, negatives versus it gives you a false positive test about one in a hundred times for like so individuals who aren't infected. Real quick, do you want to explain the difference between false positive and false negative? Yes, so one is a false negative which means um, you have COVID but it doesn't tell you that you have COVID and then false positive is when um, it says you have COVID but you don't have COVID. I think that's the best way I can explain it. <laughs> yeah, that's exact. Um, one thing from what you just said that I think is pretty interesting. So like in stats, we learn like there's the something like it's called statistical significance. Mm -hmm. And normally if the p-value is less than 0 0.05. So that means like there's a less than 5% chance of it being like not the outcome that you have yeah then like that's considered like significant and then it's used or whatever but you're saying 15 out of 100 yeah. are inaccurate so technically that's not statistically significant in terms of its ability to like detect but it could be clinically significant so yeah. like there's a difference between the two so if it still has like some degree of effectiveness as it clearly does like it's still yeah. getting 85 percent even yeah. though it might not be like according to standards of like statistical significance that we see in the lab, it's still very much clinically significant. And that's why it's like used in the way it still is. Yeah. Um, I also think with that, it's like the timing of when you take the test. Cause like you were saying earlier, like if you take the test in the early stages of having COVID-19, you're not going to have a lot of the viruses or not a lot of the antibodies. So this test won't be able to detect for that. That's why if you're not like, this is what mind boggles me. It's just the fact that like they're saying for those who are asymptomatic to take these rapid tests at home, even though these tests are not the best for um, testing if you're asymptomatic. But I know you were saying, what was it? Uh, you have to wait five days or something before you should take the yeah, test? Yeah, like that's yeah. what the new like incubation period yeah. guidelines are in Ontario. It might be, or in Canada, it might be different elsewhere, but that's what it is here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, I guess you can wait. I think that's why they tell you to wait a couple of days before taking one, because mm -hmm. at that time they hope it's a bit more accurate than it was on day one versus day five. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but that's it. that's it for um, what they are and how they work. Um, we can. Uh, sorry, what was I gonna say? Sonia, have you ever had a COVID test done? I have had a COVID test. I've had I've had a couple. Um, I had mm-hmm. one at school. They um, what did they do? Yeah, they put it up the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had another one that was at the what's the name of the hospital? I don't have to say the name of the hospital. But <laughs> I had one <laughs> one done at a hospital just as like a precautionary check that yeah. I had to get done. But yeah, yeah I'm, you've had like dozens. I've more than uh, like hundreds. A crazy amount. Um. I was basically uh, working at a long-term care home. And at that time, uh, the government of Terry, before like vaccines were like officially, um, like un- it was, I think until um, there was like 80% of the population that was vaccinated. So I had to get tested literally every week. And it was the one that was up to the nose, not the, through the swab, none of that stuff. So it was a, it was a great experience. Sure. I've done more than 50 COVID tests. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, it's fine. I've okay, done. So he makes you stronger. Pardon? I've done a, like COVID tests for other people, like the nose yeah. one. Um, like ew, oh, it's it's an interesting experience. Um, I think we were mentioning in this earlier how we're like, why does it go up to the nose, right? Like, yeah. we've seen there's so many different types. Why Great is segue? <laughs> why is the nose considered um the gold standard and stuff so i think what i've come across because sonia and i were actually having a hard time trying to figure out why the nose like why up the nose yeah. um <laughs> and i think uh the best way one of them was explaining how essentially that um they need to collect the sample from the entire passageway, so the back of the throat and at the end of the nasal passageway. Um, so again, you can either do that through the throat or through your nose. And if you do it through the throat, though, um, there's the gag reflex. So I think, you know, as a precautionary thing, they do it up the nose um, and they're able to do it like that. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but you might not yak from that. Yeah. But in saying that, though, there's also been studies that we came across, like there was one published earlier this year in Nature that says like collecting um, samples through saliva. So whether it be just like, I don't know, like swabbing your cheek or I don't know, spitting at a test tube, I don't know how else they would do it. But um, like that's also like effective as well. And like there's a similar level of effectiveness, like it's statistically significant in terms of the similarity. Sorry, I yeah. that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's just it's kind of cool to see how like it's been evolving too. Um, like at one moment they're saying like this is better, but then there's research that's saying that this is better. So it's really interesting to see how like science is continuously adapting to new research. Yeah, and, and it's that. crazy how fast it does it as well. Yeah. Like there's one day there's a study coming out of like Germany that says, oh, this is like the most effective thing. The next day it's like, or two days from then, then that moment it's published, then it's like global guidelines are changing. It's crazy. Crazy how the world works. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But did you want to add anything else, Sonia? Um, We, I think we did a good job covering it. I'm yeah. trying to think. I don't think there's, we did the different types of collecting samples. So like 
we kind of we didn't say it explicitly but we yeah. kind of explained it yeah um yeah i think that's it for the topic yeah um pretty interesting you never know maybe in a couple of months there's a different way to test for covid um i yeah. wouldn't be surprised hopefully again it's not up the nose the ones at the at home ones though is um what i've been hearing is it doesn't go all the way back it's yeah. like one and a half inches up your like nasal passageway yeah that was interesting Mm -hmm. yeah um, the the actual like swab itself is smaller it doesn't like yeah go that far like, yeah go to the brain basically <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was interesting because i was like uh, i literally thought they were doing the ones that like basically you're kind of scratching your brain in a sense it's not, not like like for a little bit i thought that as well like that's no, why it, like fooled of them like, literally like the swab disappears <laughs> up your nose <laughs> it's like it, i guess it's in my brain now I'm like, I'm pretty sure as a kid, we were told not to put things up our nose, not to put anything in our ears, but here they're like, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, right up the nose. Um, with that being said, though, um, I think that's it for this week's episode. Yeah. Stay safe, my dudes. Yeah. Um, get tested right. if you wanted to. If, 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 if you can. If you and can. And if you need to, and if yes. it's necessary. Yep. But yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.